and welcome back to the This Step Enough podcast. I apologise for the long delay between the last episode and this one. Um, I suppose all I can say is that life got in the way and I'm back now. Um, As you can see from the title of this episode, this episode we're going to be doing a Bible study of Matthew 1. So I don't know how this is if this will work long term but I think what I'd love to do with this podcast is to record a series of bible studies working through Matthew's gospel. I read Matthew's gospel last year. I read it so slowly. I think it's the slowest I've ever gone through a bible book but I was just overwhelmed by how much information there was in it and I know this is kind of a straightforward thing but I was just so blown away by the fact that we have so much of Jesus's teachings here recorded for us to learn from and to live by. Um, If you don't know um, the gospels there's four gospels in the bible and they record the life and teachings of Jesus and Matthew is the first gospel so it's also the first book of the new testament. Um, Matthew was one of the one of the 12 disciples he mentions I think he mentions himself as well so he was a tax collector and Jesus called him to follow him and he did so Matthew is recording from the teaching that he heard firsthand and then also from the apostles teaching um, and you know what they were reminding each other about what Jesus had taught and he is writing primarily for a Jewish audience so just to give some context the Old Testament ends with this messianic expectation where the Jews are waiting for a messiah to come sent by God to deliver his people and this is the context into which Matthew is writing and he is proving from a lot of Old Testament, uh, he refers a lot to the Old Testament through this, um, he proves through the life and teaching of Jesus that he is the promised Messiah. So it's just interesting to be aware of who his intended audience was um, when we're reading this because I think it helps to explain certain references that we might not understand um, and why he might highlight certain teachings in particular. So I'm just going to start by reading from Matthew 1 verses 1 to 17. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I'm reading from the ESV version, um, but I mean, there's so many versions out there. I'm not trying to say one is better than the other and oh just quickly before I start as always I just want to put out this disclaimer I am not a pastor and please listen to this with discernment this is just a way for me to go through what I'm learning and to share it with you and if you can benefit from that and if it draws you closer to God then that is what I want that is um, my goal with this it is not to try to claim any authority over you because I don't have it. (laughs) Okay, so Matthew 1 verses 1 to 17. 
the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiad, and Abiad the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Iliad, and Iliad the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were fourteen generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon fourteen generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ fourteen generations. All right. Well, thank you for sticking with me if you got through all those names. Um, just quickly, uh, interesting note there in verse 17 where he says, where he breaks all these up into 14 generations. So from what I have read from commentators, um, what we were saying about Matthew recording this for a Jewish audience, a lot of the tradition, well, most of the tradition would have been oral. So they passed on this knowledge by oral tradition. It Very few people could read or write. So it wasn't as if most of the people were learning this from reading. They were learning it from hearing. And they say that that's why Matthew kind of quite neatly packages all the generations together into these 14 generations because it's obviously easier to remember that way. So he does skip a few generations. Um, I'm sure you will have noticed if you if you are on your kings or uh, Bible characters, uh, he does skip a few generations, but that is to kind of neatly package it together so that it's easier to remember. I don't know if I will be choosing this as a passage for me to memorize, but um, you know, in those days they didn't really have a choice. So uh right so this is jesus's legal lineage through joseph there's some debate about it all but in general the consensus is that the genealogy in matthew is done through joseph and the genealogy in luke's gospel is done through mary 
because there's some diversion between them and that's kind of the what the scholars have decided the reason for that difference so uh let's start at the start the book of the genealogy of jesus christ the son of david the son of abraham matthew immediately um leaves no room for guessing what he's going to what he's coming at or he just makes his point straight away he asserts that jesus is the fulfillment of the old testament messianic prophecy and again remember he's writing this to the jews so he's saying to them straight away this is the guy that you've been looking for this is the messiah and i'm going to tell you about him the genealogy is filled with a lot of names as you'll have heard but also um a lot of interesting characters so there's kind of three categories that i think is really encouraging to to see first of all this genealogy includes women which is great (laughs) um but also kind of shocking um for that time so it's quite a radical inclusion of women um i have heard it said that all four of the women included in this genealogy had sexual sin associated with them i personally don't think that's true the story of tamar um is in genesis and certainly she is associated with sexual sin um for tricking her father-in-law to sleep with her so that her the line would continue and then rahab we meet in jericho and she used to be a prostitute who came to know the lord which is incredible um but the wife of uriah so that's bathsheba uh people disagree on if she was bathing in a place where the king would know to see her or all of this at the end of the day i think it is extremely dangerous to be blaming the victim for the sexual sin of the king so i just wanted to make that point because it really frustrates me i don't think you can um say that with clarity and i think the church has a lot of has caused a lot of hurt in this area and i just think that we need to be careful not to not to further exasperate that by drawing conclusions that we don't know the end of the day we know that david sinned and that's what we know so bathsheba is also included and then ruth who was a moabite who came back to live in canaan so ruth and rahab are obviously women but they're also both gentiles originally so this genealogy includes both jews and gentiles which is extremely exciting and then in that middle generation you have all the kings from david to jeconiah um and if you've ever read the king's books you will know that it was such a cycle of good and evil kings i've got a little table in my bible that's that's kind of divided them up into good and evil and I mean, it's actually shocking how few good kings there were. And even the good kings obviously made their own mistakes. Um, but you've got people like Hezekiah, um, who 
did seek the Lord for the most part. Um, and then you've got evil kings like Ahaz and who, whose wife was uh, Jezebel. And they killed and persecuted many of the Lord's prophets in their time. So this genealogy includes men, women, Jews, Gentiles, good and wicked kings. And I just find it so exciting that um, God has used all of those characters to bring forth the Messiah. You know, Jesus comes not from a line of perfect people or from a line of of royalty. Um, he comes from a mixture of people from all different backgrounds, from socioeconomic classes, um, men, women, um, people who have sinned incredibly and people who we don't know if they ever um, found God again. But still God uses them to bring Jesus into the world and I just think that's so exciting also if you look at stuff like the deportation of Babylon if you can imagine being a Jew at that time um, God had promised that he would bring a messiah through David but David's throne had collapsed and you know there was no hope of that coming back and they were being shipped off to exile in Babylon um and it must have just felt so hopeless at the time and so kind of that overwhelming feeling of God where are you in this and still God was working he had a plan and his plan came to fruition in Jesus Christ so that was verses 1 to 17 uh the next few verses are from 18 to 18 to 25 and this is about the birth of Jesus. So, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willi- unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So this is kind of mostly the story of Joseph's perspective of how kind of the birth of Jesus came about. So Joseph and Mary were betrothed and betrothed is I suppose we don't really have an equivalent for it in our western culture it's like being engaged but it's more official so if you're engaged to somebody you can break it off without having to inform any office <laughs> or government I was like who do you inform about this but so if you get married you go and you get a marriage license and then if you get divorced, you need to register um, your divorce. But if you 
get engaged, you can break it off quite easily. Whereas with betrothed, you would have to go register that. It's, I don't think I'm explaining this extremely well, but it is basically like being engaged, but a lot more official. So this was really big um, that she was pregnant while betrothed. And Joseph obviously knew that it wasn't him. Um, I think this is a really good reflection of his character that it says that he was unwilling to put her to shame. I think so many of us would be um, so humiliated if that happened to us. And I think our egos would just take over and we wouldn't, we would just want to humiliate the other person back. But he just resolved to divorce her quietly um, without making a big spectacle about it and without bringing shame to her. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him what was going to happen. And I find this really interesting. It says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Um, France writes, Salvation from sins is an element of the Old Testament hope and in the later messianic expectation, but not the dominant one. Its isolation here warns the reader not to expect this Messiah to conform to the more popular hope of a national liberator. So I suppose at this time, the Jews were under the oppression from the Romans. And for many, a Messiah in that day would have meant somebody who would free them from Roman control. And Matthew's kind of setting us up here to be to say Jesus's purpose is to save his people from their sins. We're desperately in need of salvation from sin. And this is what he has come to do. It's not going to be this guy striding in and mustering up a guerrilla um, militia. It is he has come to save us from our sins. The greatest enemy that we are facing is our sin, not the Roman authorities or some other political um, oppression. And I just find that quite an interesting, um, interesting insight because I think we can get so worked up about politics, but the Bible seems to care quite little for politics. Um, it very clearly says that we should be caring for the poor and we should care for the orphan and the widow and we've got great social responsibility there but um, Jesus came in and did not try to upset the political balance of his day he came and his purpose the great like the, the more pressing issue by far by a thousand times it was our issue with sin and I suppose um, that's a good reminder for us as well that some people can get so worked up about oh we're facing persecution as Christians um, or you know evangelism is just dying a slow death or there's no renewal in the western church um, but ultimately our biggest issue is our sin and freeing being freed from our sin and telling other people how they can be freed from their sin and that's what we should be fighting for not getting hung up on any of the other issues um also this really highlights how important our sin is 
I think often it's so easy to make excuses about our sin um, but clearly this is a massive issue like Jesus came to save us from our sin this is something that we should be struggling against not just giving into uh, the prophecy that he said he calls out is behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel this prophecy was given by the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz who we mentioned before he's in the genealogy and he was a wicked king and yet he was the one who received this prophecy of the Messiah coming which is so incredible and then the last thing just to note is that when Joseph woke from sleep he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him um that immediate obedience is just so inspirational I think because so often we can wrestle about oh is God telling me this or not and do I actually want to do it and ultimately we should just be obeying him if we love him we will obey him and I think that's just a really good reminder from Joseph uh there so that is chapter one of Matthew's gospel I really hope that you enjoyed this I hope you were able to kind of follow along and I hope that it will be in somewhat helpful um I think I'm going to be trying to do a few more of these bible study things uh less scripted more just working through the bible um seeing what it says and just unpacking some of the applications for us today I find it really exciting to go through this again um I loved Matthew's gospel I honestly think it's maybe my favorite book in the bible and I would just love to work through it with you so I hope you have a lovely rest of your day and thank you so much for listening and I'll see you again very soon bye bye